Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Paul. This is Jay. Hello and welcome to the TriTac Podcast, your podcast for chopping your limbs off and putting them on with metal ones because flesh is weak. This week we're talking about cyberpunk and joining us is a special guest, Mr. Jay Libby. How's it going, guys? In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, he will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find the wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system and coming soon to Savage Worlds. Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French podcast at tritacsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritacsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million, million worlds await you. Music by Ernestor, available on iTunes. Let's talk about net running real quick, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on net running, but I do want to touch on it because I think it's kind of an important thing for cyberpunk. I think it's one of the, the, the core concepts of any good cyberpunk campaign. Classic neuromancer kind of set the tone for most science fiction interpretations of human brains interacting or interfacing with the network. And I think depending on how you want to run your net running, I mean, like, for example, uh, Jay, I'm sure you have a particular way it works, and, and so does Cyberpunk. But let's say uh, you're playing Fringeworthy, and uh, you're using the Savage World system, and you want to explain the net on some world that you go to. Well, you're free to explain that any way you want to. You can have your net any way you choose, unless you pick a Savage Worlds book that already has it in it. But I'm going to go with the assumption that that maybe you don't have that, and you're just like, oh, hey, it's fringe-worthy. Uh, you go to a cyberpunk world, and this is what you find. Some of the examples you can use 
for net running is you you could have like a total recall type situation where you go in and everything's very realistic. I mean, a total recall or the matrix is another good example where you know you're immersed in this thing that is almost impossible to tell the difference. Uh, and, and that's not too far out of the realm of reality because it may not be a visual, it may not be just a visual stimulus into your eye. It may be uh, something that you plug into, and it's just feeding concepts to your brain, it's feeding programming to your brain uh, through a processor, and you're seeing what you would expect to see in real life. Or it could be, you know, you could go down the the, the other road where it's it's like Tron, where you go in there and, and the world looks very electronic in in its its look, and of course stylized for fun. Greetings, program. Yes. Well, I mean, there's different types of net running. You can go for something as relatively low tech as, you know, an immersion suit and goggles and gloves to a processor put into your brain. And, you know, there's the interface there to what I've heard called induction helmets or squids, where it's nothing more than a headband and you just get the full sensorium due to skin contact it yeah. depends on the level of tech that you got in this cyberpunk world you're yeah. running the direct neural interface from from gibson uh though i tend to lean toward how, how it's done in ghost in the shell you don't go into a fancy virtual world unless you're going to a chat room uh otherwise you're going you're basically you're just dealing with the data streams and pretty much where the computer deals with it you don't need the fancy schmancy you know vr environment to do your work I was going to say, I like the ones where you are fielding an arsenal of your own written or copied or corporate purchased artificial intelligences. So you have an AI that's, yeah, you have an AI that's specialized to do something. Thing. Yeah, that, that's the only way the hacking really works. We made an analogy for game mechanics. We used cards. You played a card that had, had a specialized skill. And that was the AI you were running and you only have so many up. Because your computer could only run so many. And we jokingly started calling it um, our own version of like Magic the Gathering or something like that. We played a card and had a specific power. Cards against technology? <laughs> if you got to stop your game for half an hour so the netrunners can do their work, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Sorry, it's not specifically cyberpunk, it's much more science fiction. But um, Elizabeth Moon's Vada War series. Where the characters are all, um, they're all corporate merchants, in that they have a, a implant in the back of their head, and everybody is carrying around their own personal AI that helps them out. It's your person. It's an it's a futuristic extension of the personal data assistant, the PDAs. And in that, there is um, sort of an, an electronic warfare, cyber warfare aspect, and you could play that where you don't have to have a dedicated hacker, and even your your driver subclass character, your brick, your warrior subclass character, your communications subclass guy are all involved in your cyber warfare and they can all be cyber attacked in a cyber warfare manner. You can spread it out over several people. And so your non-tech guy, your non-computer guy, it's still playing in the game. And it's not in the case of where you, you know, oh, we're going to do the, uh, the net runner part. So you guys go ahead and go to 7-Eleven and please bring me back a Slurpee. Trav was mentioning um, like a helmet and a suit and stuff. There's a book called Ready Player One, which I just recently read, and it was a fantastic book. But that had the whole concept, and it's a cyberpunk future. It's a very dystopian future. 
there's a big corporation involved. The way the net works is there's this one major program that took over everything, and everybody works in that program and, and entertains themselves in that program. It's like another world. It's like the like – the, you've seen the simulation um, software uh, Second Life. It's a lot like that, but way more advanced. Uh, a big VR, big, big virtual reality. So, like Jay, like you were saying, when uh, people, you know, they had to tell people that they had they couldn't only, they could not log in while they're at work or driving and stuff like that. Well, in in this world, it's the same issue w- with people, except what they did instead of it being a problem while people are driving or at work or whatever. Most people work in the virtual arena. Not everybody, but of course, a lot of people. Like instead of going to an office, you go inside. It's the Oasis. You go inside the Oasis. Uh, so you don't drive to work. You telecommute. Yeah you, yeah, you get up in the morning and you put your – what they call the haptic suit. You put your haptic suit, your goggles on. You check into work or you check into school. The students go to school using the Oasis and they, they do biz. People shop using the Oasis. So it's like if, if you have the resources for it, you would go in and go shopping in the Oasis. And then as soon as you buy something – a store down the road, package would be mailed to you, and it would come to your door. So is it kind of like that Bruce Willis movie, Surrogate? But you're not in a robot body. You're in virtual space. So yes, like that, except take out the robots and put in a net system. So Jay, does yours work anything like that? What is your net running like? If you're playing like playing in your game and you go into the, the net, as it were, or whatever, whatever it is you call it, can you describe that to us? I kind of ran off the same same lines as um, Baldar Eve. It's a Japanese anime. Pretty much where you can you can plug in either hardwire or wirelessly. Pretty much anywhere. Um, of course, the the danger to that is being hacked in. You know, you have to have a data implant or a biological implant to make it happen. The hacking apps that I put in the game, so you can have you can have your cell phones or your your data pads that have apps that help you hack into systems. The net world itself is based around the New Eden game where even the prison system utilizes it to um, rehabilitate prisoners, you know, to test and see if they're actually okay to be released back out into the into public or not. And there's, you know, a thing called hard time where people have committed like heinous crimes or put into the this video game as inanimate objects like trash cans, dumpsters, where they're stuck there. <laughs> they can't do anything. They can only be on the receiving end. It works great for political prisoners and so on. They can they can think they're living their regular life and they're actually living in this artificial environment. It's a pretty heavy thing, and it's to the point where the actual artificial intelligence with intelligent machines in the game have learned how to imprint their minds onto human minds while humans are in this virtual world and, and surfing on the on the net. They're be pretty much like if Bruce Willis film you're just talking about. Um, surrogates instead of the human using the machine the machines are starting to learn how to use the humans oh okay uh, ghost hacking from ghost in the shell we're calling it imprinting in the game because if you look at um there was another one i was watching where there were pl- this girl was plugged into the system for so long that she ended up her ghost ended up staying like in the machine um it might have actually been bald or eve as well um but then the human mind the complexities, if, if you're, the human mind can be stuck inside the machine, then a machine mind could imprint itself onto the human mind. So we really played with the, the whole thread of that. Matter of fact, Doug Poirier from uh, RPG Bomb is is taking over the fiction department for that entire bit. So it should have some stuff coming out. 
Isn't that a Philip K. Dix short story, Overdrawn, The Memory Bank? The little short half-hour movie with Raul Julia, done on the, for the CBC. And, but basically a guy, he's getting his annual you know, memory upgrade and so forth, and he gets stuck in the machine. <sighs> Waiting for them to get him out. He, he's actually only in there like like five minutes. To him, it was like a, it was like years. Uh, you know, we, we talked about before. You know, the differences between big corp and big government. So they can both kind of exist, but I think if one is very powerful, the other one has to suffer for it. Because when you say big corp, you know that means that they have control over things, and which means they control the government. If you have big government. Then of course they have control, so they they probably control the corporations. Now they may be in bed together, but there's always someone who's in charge. Uh, there's two different examples. Uh, say say for Big Corp, you have Cyberpunk 2020. Alien is a good example. You know, of course, Alien's way in the future. That's that's future sci-fi. That's not Cyberpunk. Bubblegum Crisis. Okay, Bubblegum Crisis. That's good. That's a, a good way to kind of visualize. This is what the world would be like if corporations ruled and government took a back seat to it. As for government, you go right back, you go back to 1984 as the prime example, that you know, the classic example. But there's also the movie Equilibrium, which I think was a good example for I, I think that was government, right? That was big government or was that a corporation? Yeah, that's big government. The one with Christian Bale where they, they make people take drugs to Equilibrium, that was government. That was yeah, government. That's big okay, government. that's what I thought. All right, so that's there you go. So, so 1984 and, and Equilibrium are good examples of what big government would be like. Yeah, big government was suppressing your aggressive tendencies and, and things that were would cause you to kind of spike emotionally. Wasn't it also Gattaca big government? Yes, I think so. That was kind of an ex- existential is our adapted humans better than natural-born humans. I think Gattaca might be a good example of the mixture of both, where government and corporations have taken over human rights. Because I think the space program was corporate-run, but it was government-mandated or something like that. I think it was a, I think that one kind of fits into the whole mixture. It was definitely corporate-run. If you have this dystopian future, it means that there's going to be big areas that nobody cares about because that's the dystopia of it. You know, you have your combat zones and you have your, your nomad type lifestyles, you know, the, the places in between the cities. You also have the rise of the city state usurping federal and state government when, Oh sure. When greater Los Angeles sucks up San Francisco and basically you could go hundreds of miles and you're still in the same city where the mayor is more powerful than the state governor governor. And that sort of that would sort of be like a uh, appleseed type feel, right? Because they had the. I mean, I know they were kind of like our colleges, but that would give you that feel of a big, big independent city. The city of Olympus, yeah, in appleseed. But that one's also run by a computer, and there's some other aspects to that. I think what you're so, talking about is balkanization. Yeah, where you you basically break down what used to be a large, mostly homogenized culture into relatively smaller pieces that can stand their own against their surrounding cultures, their stability. But at the same time, you don't get that sense of, of world governments like we know of now. I'm thinking of, it's another William Gibson novel, and I am stumped on the name right now. I'll have to come back to you on it. It's actually interesting that it's a story where William Gibson has, env- has envisioned the Google Glasses about – 
15 or 20 years before Google came along and had the technology to make said glasses. But in that story, states have lost their power and cities. So the U.S. government is kind of, what do I do when I can't tell Los Angeles anymore? I can't tell the state of California to rein in Los Angeles. That's where I was going with this whole nomad thing. When you have this kind of situation, especially when you have these like big city states, what that's going to breed is who's taking care of the piece of dirt between these city states? Well, nobody is. Because when we had the nomad, the homogenous country, you know, every area within the country was taken care of and treated equally. But if you got LA running amok and you've got Chicago doing its own thing and you've got, you know, New York doing its own thing, who cares about the dirt between New York and Chicago? Well, nobody really, and there's no one to take care of it. There's no money for it. There's no fundage or any of that kind of stuff. So you're going to have big, long stretches of land that are anything kind of goes. You do have to take into account the concept of urban sprawl. Now, on a lot of cyberpunk stories, I've seen what they called, I, I believe this was a neuromancer, Bama, the Boston-Atlanta metropolitan axis, where basically urban sprawl went from Boston, Massachusetts down to Atlanta. It was all city. And so I wouldn't think that there would be a lot of the nomads land because i would see the entire east coast the entire west coast the midwest you've obviously never been in the arizona desert i don't think there would be as much as you think because many cities and areas would just sprawl together i see detroit and chicago and like milwaukee all doing that that may be the case but there is a ton a ton of land Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that there is. I'm just saying there would be a little less than some people would think because a lot of cities would just become megalopoli. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was, I remember reading some time ago that there was a concept of something called Boswash, which was the Boston to Washington, you know, Washington, D.C., would be this big, long urban sprawl. But even if you had that, even if you had that, you would have, would would that Boswash, or, or would you say Bama, would that be. Would that whole thing be controlled by this this mega government body, or would you have areas that would fall into disrepair? I think you would. You have that in modern day. I mean, and and Blake, you've been posting about this to me on Facebook. Look at Detroit. Yeah, you've got certain areas of Detroit that are are decent, and gleaming. You know, you got downtown the Renson. Then you got some places. I'm I'm a Metro Detroit in their places and. In Detroit, I don't want to be. It's just because they've fallen into disrepair. So you're going to have that in these urban sprawl megalopoli just on a grander scale. But what I want to talk about real quick is the areas where you don't have anything. You have, you know, you have farmhouses and stuff. Well, what used to be farmhouses and such. And you're still going to have farms. You're going to have these big, giant corporate farms, which those are going to be protected because people need to eat. Agricorps, yeah. yeah. But you are going to have no man's lands. And I see... That's where I see you take the movie Road Warrior, and that's what those areas are like because there is no law. <laughs> car wars. Yeah. 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 Right. Car wars. Absolutely. Yep. And I think that's what you're going to have. I love that game. Who's going to enforce the law there? Nobody. Right? It's going to fall to warlords, warlords and, and gangs and such. That's where you can use that as a resource. You know, you 
pull up your, your copy of Road Warrior and watch that. And it's like, all right, players, someone has gone missing. A plane has gone down. We, we'll pull the old Escape from New York. You know, the president was on a plane that went down into nomad territory, and we need you to go get him. Which game it is that has Combat Cab? Oh. Is it Cyber 2020? You have Combat Cab where you got to pay the guy extra, yep. and then he'll take you through the combat zone in his armored APC. Yeah, he's essentially got like a small tank, basically. You tip your driver and ammunition. And your emergency medical, you better make sure you're paid up because those guys come in with the hip guns or with the, with the, uh, the side guns. Um, no, it's pretty bad when I got to go in a cab and the first thing the cabbie asked me is that you got your beneficiary set? No. <laughs> you get your trauma team card. You, Trav, you live in Detroit. Yes. You were the backdrop for a war-torn earth for the new Red Dawn movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's up, Bruce? I think the scenario you're talking about was done very well in the movie Parasite. Parasite? I've never seen that. Uh, it was a 3D movie. It, it starred Demi Moore, and it was about this scientist who had run away from a corporation with a tube that had something in it that had been developed in their labs. And all the people who lived out in this countryside where all people who had run away from the, the control of the big corporations in the city and were just trying to make a living out there. And there were gang members and there was all this stuff. And then the corporate guy shows up in his fancy, futuristic looking car. It's just what you're talking about. Oh, cool. Okay. Excellent. Actually, if you think about it, you can still have this sort of situation even in the urban settings. Think about Free Jack. Yep. Ah, yes. Yeah, you basically can have your urban wastelands. You can still Mad Max it in the urban wastelands, even though there's corporate you know, giants everywhere. You don't necessarily need to be in a wasteland and it, with nothing there. You could be you could be in the urban wasteland. Well, heck, talk. look at RoboCop. Yeah. Look what happened to those areas, you know, and then, you know, they made this RoboCop and he decided to go protect everybody, you know. Yeah, it's New Delta City. So, Jay, let's talk about the toys. You know, the first thing on my list is cybernetics. Do you have cybernetics in your game? <laughs> you, can't, you can't exactly play, claim even like any type of science fiction unless you have something. But yeah, there's a lot of it in there. Okay, but it doesn't favor cybernetics from what I'm gathering. No, as a matter of fact, a lot of the like the powerhouse stuff, like power gamers would take, they're all limited. A lot of it is just like your medical implants and so on. Um, the more powerful stuff, you have to be military, you have to be corporate. So there's there's always the medical medical insurance is a pretty big thing in my game. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I can't get a set of rippers? Do a Wolverine and yeah. <laughs> No, not unless you're military working for the corp the corporation. You could do black market. I mean there is a black market in there as well. So but, Oh chop shops, yeah. Yeah. So I could get a gun implanted in my arm if I wanted to pay the money for it? Oh absolutely. Okay, good, good. Gotta have that. Real quick, let's do biological enhancements, and we'll talk about the two of them at the same time. So, like, biological enhancements. Uh, what kind of stuff do you do, Jay, for biological enhancements? Like, what kind of what, – what's a cool – give me something cool that you can do. You know, every, I think I have uh, biological data implants. It's like dura skin, like skin that's a lot tougher, um, like spinal building and stuff, and, and muscle, obviously muscle, like steroids. Um, I think but my favorite is the reproductive one because I, I made it so human. It, it sounds so twisted, but it's like I spent so much time trying to make the game not your normal game that it's like I look at it, I look at the reproductive part, and it's like I could think of like 10 people off the top of my head that would benefit from that right now. So, so it's a very human aspect to it is what you're saying. When you're playing it, 
Doug had referred to it as very immersive because, like, when you're playing it, it's you're like living someone's life, and it's not just pull out a gun, and it's not just you know, it's not just the life of a hacker. It's like how do you survive and how do you interact with society? So, wow, so that's our favorite kind of game here. We we, we like rolling dice, but we prefer to uh, act it out. We talk about that a lot. All right, so. What do you guys think? I mean, when when you're playing a cyberpunk type campaign, wh- where do you gravitate towards? Are you guys uh, are you guys um, flesh is weak, or are you better living through biology? I well, if I play cyberpunk, I'm, I tend to be old school and yeah, go for the go for the cybernetic implants because I'm a fan of ghosts in the shells. You know, cyborgs who are powered off of sucrose, hook up to an IV drip, and they're good to go. Talking about full body replacement, you talking about replacing limbs, or are you talking about something that's just used to enhance your normal flesh? It falls into the all of the above because there you you can have the full body uh, you know replacements. You can have people who basically just get parts replaced. Like I'm, I'm gonna be a sl- yeah. That's what I just said. Yeah. Like, what do you go for when you're playing? Well, with Cyberpunk, I definitely go for for you know for cybernetic limbs, ones that either don't pass for real, or ones that will pass for real. Uh, if you're a sniper, you get the eye enhancement, so yeah, you can you, you don't actually see through the, your your sniper eye. You plug into it, and your rifle does does looking for you. So you're you're the kind of guy lop it off, <laughs> lop it off, or or add it on. You can do a sniper eye without losing your eyes. Oh, nice. E. Okay, I, I see what you're going with that. Me, the way I've done cyberpunk, and I guess the only cyberpunk campaign I really ran was I used uh, Scorch Earth Studios' Otherverse America. Now, granted, this is early 22nd century, but they have a lot of cyberpunk. Cybernetics, the metal, that's more old school. By this time, they've gotten to genetics and what they call in D20 Future wetware. There's also something else in... Otherverse America, they're called Smart Lights. It's basically a hologram of a hologram. It's in between the synapses of your brain. And so you can mimic bionics using these smart lights. And so it's like you could pull out what they call a smart light laptop. Those of you who have seen Tenchi Universe, Washu's little mm-hmm. uh, laptop of light that she uses, that would be a smart light. So, yeah, the metal... That's old school. Oh, you oh you have metal cybernetics. That's so 2020. You know how quaint. Yeah, yeah, cracking the knuckles like uh, Scotty did. Yeah, it's all about genetics and wetware and growing new parts and growing, mm-hmm. activating new nodes of your brain. And as I said, the smart lights are okay. That's the the cutting edge. So. Yeah, I'm not big on the metal cybernetics. I just it, it never was a big thing for me. I'm I'm all over the place because I've played so much cyberpunk. I mean, that was my jam. So I've I've played every type of cyberpunk type character that you can imagine. Everything from netrunners to solos to to uh, I think I even played a a pilot type once. I think the most fun I had was when I had the character who had all of his limbs replaced, and this guy was like nearly almost a full Borg, not quite, but. Everything you could get to almost get to a full board. He actually had the quick change mount, so he could. He had sets of arms and legs at home. So I'm going on a. I'm going on a combat mission. I'm going to put my spiked arms on, and we're going out clubbing. So I'm going to put my my fancy silver arms with lights built into them. He had mission specific limbs. He had rave arms. Yeah, he had rave arms. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> 
Yeah, they had little speakers in them and the lights, and you'd be walking around and be hearing this. Was it like what is that? That's my club arms. Yeah. <laughs> a little pad on his back, and when he laid on the ground, he'd spin around. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, he'd a pad on his head so he can spin around. You know. Oh yeah, there you go. I like any type of character in cyberpunk. I can I can roll with anything. We always played it off as socioeconomic. So the enhancements you had or the enhancements you get were really kind of what do you have the money to get that? So the cheapest thing flowing around was memory graphs. It was kind of vending machine level tech where you could purchase a generic memory graft. So you're like, oh, I need to know how to ride a motorcycle. So you get a memory graft, and somebody who was a really great motorcycle guy has had that part of his brain cloned, and then you can have it surgically injected into your head, and you know how to ride a motorcycle. It just looks weird if you're on your bike and you're a white guy, but your memory is has these two African-American hands. The, the, me- oh. the memory throws you off a little bit. You have it, but it's it's not yours. You take a slight minus to the skill because you're looking down. It's like, okay, yeah, I want to learn how to sew. I did not put red nail polish on this morning. It had a psychosocial aspect to it where there was a detriment to your personality when you started adding too many of these memory graphs. You took up sewing, and here's these little gnarly little old ladies' hands using the sewing machine, and that's how you remember it, because that's the memory graph. That was kind of bargain basement. You hit a little kiosk in the mall and got those. If you had something you needed to repair, but you weren't a you you weren't a really rich person, then you just got a regular transplant from a cadaver or somebody who they were so far in debt, they sold themselves to a corporation and their parts, so their family was came out of debt. So you're on a regiment of pills for your organic replacement that's a transplant and it worked into uh, custom organs was really at the top end if you were super mega rich then you went to a corporation you gave a sample and they grew you organs to your specifications and the cybernetic stuff kind of fell in between where you could get better than a transplant but you didn't have enough for custom i mean that's how we play too because it's always fun we always start at the bottom and it's like you hawk everything you own or you do a mission and you get enough money to get this cybernetic implant, which allows you to do better missions, which earns you more money, which allows you to buy more cybernetics. And you're always like upgrading and modifying and stuff. And then you have to worry about cyberpsychosis. Yeah, you do. You, no, yeah. you don't. I hate that. Depending on the system. Depending yeah. On the system, yeah. That's, you know what that is? That's just a game balance thing, really. Cause it, yeah. yeah, it is. Because in D20 Future, they had you had to pay experience points equal to, what was it, 25 times the wealth score of the part. And so the experience points, it was, that was kind of the way a cyber coast is. You're sacrificing a little bit of humanity by giving up experience points to have this cool part put in you. So, yeah. I prefer where, okay, you put all these metal parts on your body and they're showing. Now your interactions with people have dropped considerably because you're no longer a person. All the nuances of your body language that you should be passing across and aiding your persuasion are now all screwed up because they're now doing other things. Ooh, see, that, that's, the, that's the limiter I see happening instead. Minus is the bluff and diplomacy. Yes, I, I sure. see what you did there. Jay, do you have something like cyberpsychosis or this sort of thing in your game? Or Yeah, it's referred to as organ grinding. Huh. Ah. <laughs> I like that. That's crafty. You get to a certain point with cybernetics. I think it was like like 90% cybernetics. You 
make a uh, a will save, and if you fail, then you are fair game for the police department to shut you down because mm. you you start going crazy, and it, it's a build up process. I think I had some write ups in a in a supplement I wrote for the book called APD Files, and it talks a little bit about organ grinders and, and kind of like where the name came from and the the social dilemma because once you replace like so much of your body, the machine work, you are just an organ grinder. Mm. You are the monkey. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, say, so if you get into this organ grinding, you know, you don't want a monkey around cause the cops will come after you. Yeah. Okay. See, you beat me to it. Sorry, man. <laughs> hey, you're the guest here. I'm going to let you fly with that. Yeah. No, I'm trying to be good this time around. So <laughs> you should talk. The guests should talk. So while we got you, Jay, while we got you on the hook, let's let's move past the whole replicants and clones and stuff because we already talked about that pretty extensively. Let's talk about weapons now, Jay. Where do, where do your weapons go to? Are, are you uh, are you a, a Bruce type with the with the laser guns and blasters there, or are? Uh... <laughs> hey, let, let's not forget the vibra blades. I right, love right. the vibra blades. Right. Monomolecular whip. Oh yeah. Bruce, I'm going to give you some airtime on this one because I keep picking on you about it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, Jay, where where do your where do your weapons stand? What kind of what kind of stuff can we get? You know, I, I really I like Bruce a lot, and I, I take his his opinions, and I really value them because he and I talk talk privately about different things when I make an ass of myself. But unless I'm having a Roger Corman wet dream, I tend to avoid the laser blasters. Okay, you guys didn't get the joke. Oh God. But <laughs> High-frequency weapons. Okay. It's where I tend to run it. So clank two together and blow your drums out, things like that. Um, other than that, it's, there are lasers, but you know, they're more like Akira lasers than they're you know, laser blasters. Um, and then the rest of the tech is, is much more – I mean, there's smart weapons in there, but I pretty much took a mesh of all the, the weapons that were possible and threw them together into the book. A lot of things with like no kickback and. So you're talking about like rail guns and stuff like that, stuff that we we kind of have today, sorta. He's I mean, also the, talking about recoilless rifles and such. Yeah, like gyro gyro jets and stuff like that. Oh hell yeah! Okay. So it, it, that's pretty much where where I stuck it to. I didn't because obviously after after Sandy Hook, I reformatted my company a little bit. So we we took out the lethality of of the game quite a lot. Um, we had EMP rounds to take out mannequins, and we had. Uh, taser rounds, which now you, when you watch like the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, they all have taser rounds. And when you watch stuff now, it's like, oh, we have bullets that tase people. So a, a great moment when I was running my game at Total Con with Dreg. He's like, I'm a cop. Why can't I kill something? It's like because you're destined to take out machines. You're not here to kill all the humans on the dock. It was a funny back and forth about. You know, well, if I'm a cop, I should be allowed to murder people. It's like, no, you can't murder people. <laughs> a true. Jimmy's a South American cop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jay, he's a true cyberpunk. I, I know. And I, I love, I love Drake to death. And, and this, the discussion was funny. He just looked at me. And he's like, really? So they're trying to find excuses to like destroy as many machines as possible. And he did try to kill the goat quite a few times too, but the goat was not a machine. So. Well, I guess I ben, ben Gerber's very happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> Ben is very. I'm kind of in league with Jay. I don't like my weapons to be t- too crazy advanced in my cyberpunk. I mean, I don't mind having some stuff like rail guns and like a cure level laser. So I like if you have a laser gun that has this big giant backpack, you got to walk around with, and it can fire a couple shots. I'm cool with that, Bruce. Because I'm picking on you about this, so let's let's get your feet on this. 
Okay. When you're dealing in a world in which there are people with replacement bodies and replacement arms, you're going to need a little more firepower than what it would normally take the junkie, even with the PCP on the corner. Right. So you're going to need something that you're going to be able to pack and not look like you're carrying a 50 caliber sniper rifle that'll still do the job. There are various methodologies around it, but things that do pack more punch is one way of going that that route. Things with explosive rounds, things like uh, molecular whips, things like vibroblades that vibrate at such a high frequency, they literally can cut through anything. I like needlers, too. Needlers are a great way of... of uh, oh, ho, ho, ho. yeah. And, and I'm talking about things that fire real needles. They're, they're kind of like a, a small-term gauze rifle. Yeah, and fletch it rounds, yeah. Fletch, well, yeah, but, but uh, specifically they're firing needles, and those can have toxins on them, yep. or they can deliver electrical charge to something that is cybernetic. Bruce, are these the ones that, like, you put the block of metal in and it shaves off the metal and spits it out? The fletch it rounds, the needlers, I've always read about your clip is a block of metal and the gun, you pull the trigger, it you know shaves off a bit of that metal and then projects it, and that's your needles. Well, that's one way of doing it. If you didn't have quite that kind of technology available, you could just simply have a, a ribbon with micro perforations between them so they would easily shear off. Either way is fine. And then, yeah. and then you, you could have some kind of a thing that would spray them with a chemical, or they could already be in, impregnated with a chemical. But I'm, I'm just saying needlers are nice because they are small weapons they're relatively short range they're almost silent uh, unless you're using compressed air to make them work they tend to fall further down on the lethality and more on the trickster kind of usage so your characters that more into stealth and such would be using that rather than someone who's firing explosive rounds someone who's got a molecular whip which ha- you know which they have to put lights around it and make it shine like crazy because if you don't know where the end of that thing is you're dead yeah. Right. So oh, yeah. You know, a lot of these weapons are really fancy and and a really big, bright kind of weapons that if you use them, everybody knows you're using them. But then there's other ones that are a little bit more stealthy, and I like those too. All the uh, laser pistols I've ever used, Peter, was the same idea that you had, which is you carried a big, huge backpack on your back. All right. All right. But the nice thing was is that in every game system I've ever used. One of the odd results was disintegrates the middle part of the body. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's so much more satisfying than a little hole being punched through somebody to have their midsection vaporized. It just just always seems sweeter to me. And you know what? There is some precedence for that because you can adjust the frequency uh, of a laser. So you could set the frequency to be very disruptive to the because you know every physical substance has a frequency at which water it has a more destructive uh, yeah so it's the frequency to water and you literally could be blowing things apart. It would look like they were hit with bullets. Especially since there's a lot of heat and the water expands. So, yeah, you, Bruce, there's no reason why you couldn't have that. That would be very – might be a little stylized, but still, yeah, it's not completely crazy. And you could always go for the brown note generator. Oh! The brown note. I like I like that one. No, I like that gun. That gun's funny. There's also other weapons, too, because, I mean, you know, we're getting really cool technology now, like like sound lasers where the, the one guy developed that it, it's basically a unidirectional – sound beam so you can hit just you know very few targets it doesn't go out everywhere you can point it at somebody and hit them with a with a intense beam of sound or an intense beam of heat and these are all cyber definitely cyberpunk weapons that could be very easily used in, in that technology 
a laser that can be used to just cut through a door can also, with a little refocusing, be used as a weapon. Yep. So we got weapons, and then there's armor. And I, you know, I think we've got really good armor these days. I mean, I could see they're starting to gotten to the point where they have a bacteria that can grow spider silk. Goats, Peter. Well, they have goats that do it too. I think the bacteria though produces more. They can produce it because they can grow big vats of this stuff. And you'll get you'll get a pure result. Spider silk is what as flexible as nylon or more flexible than nylon and and stronger than steel actually one of the reasons why spider silk that comes from a spider can actually hold a lot of weight it's the way it's woven and a lot of spider silk stretches a lot before it's before it goes taut so one of the problems that the bullet wouldn't penetrate unfortunately it would make a dent about a foot into your body well that's that's where you you'd have a plate underneath of it like you probably couldn't rely just on the spider silk but you wrap that around a plate, and somebody hits you with uh, with a round, and you got a lot of stopping power. Right. We're, we're talking about that in the new gear, where you have like a layer of spider silk, and then you have that uh, molecular layer of carbon, graphene, graphene, yeah. and now all of a sudden it's you, you got the strength. You got like a hundred times the strength of normal body armor. Yeah. And it weighs the same. It weighs less, as a matter of fact. And you could have these as as millimeter thick layers and you have like four or five or 10 or 20 layers of this stuff, you know, like the way they do with bulletproof glass where it's multiple layers. So the energy keeps getting spread out every time it tries to break through a layer. If you go to the cyberpunk armor, then of course is the infamous dermal body weave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Skin weave. Skin weave. Yes. And uh, you know, yes. if you think about it, there's only one way to do it. You got to skin the person. Put the weave on and let the skin grow back. No, no. In, in Cyberpunk 2020, the way they do it, it's a nano injection. So nanites actually weave this into your skin. They don't have to do it. They don't have to do it that way. That's how they do it. So you lose 10 pounds. <laughs> right. Because there's a big difference between the tissues of your dermal layer and the tissues above it. So it is quite possible with the right kind of programming of your nanobots to lay down a layer but between those two. Actually, I think of the of the original body weaves, which they, they, they didn't use nanobots. They literally would, you know, scrape yeah. away some skin, put down the weave. That's Cyberpunk twenty thirteen, I think. Yeah, no, it was twenty twenty. Was it twenty? What? What? I don't yeah. remember that. I don't remember that. I remember it being. It's written back in the nineties. I remember it. I remember it being a nano injection. Oh yeah. No. 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 I remember originally they. John's right. They they cut off your skin. They put it down and then they stitched your skin back over top of it. Nice. Fantastic. Awesome. So to speak. My favorite was it was in one of the Chromebooks was was uh, shark skin weave. You had skin weave, uh, which was your armor, but it but it was also. Um, you could cut people with it, like shark skin. Like people grab a hold of you, and you, if you pulled on it really hard, it would cut their hands all up. Oh yeah, I've, I've read about that. Yeah, you look like you have shark skin. You can run your hand down the arm one way, but don't run it the other way. <laughs> oh yeah. So it takes a little practice with put that on your hands and <sighs> use that to really enhance your climbing ability. Gecko fingers. <laughs> This is normally seem to be a problem in cyberspace type. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No. Well, this is a future setting, so you left out. I mean, you've got offensive weapons and you've got body armor, but people are walking around machines. And what do what do combat machines have? They have electronic countermeasures, and they have active defenses. Well, yeah, because you have ECM. Most of your weapons in Cyberpunk are going to have some type of computer. If you've got ECM going, 
it's a good chance that nothing will work. Your vehicles won't work. Your weapons won't work. Depending mm. on the level of your body armor, you know, if there's like heads up displays and stuff, that won't work. Everything will just go. Nyeh. Well, it depends if it's wireless or not. If it's wireless, yeah. But if it's direct, connection, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, if it's direct connection, yeah, you can just simply point one, look one direction, point weapon the other direction, and shoot. You don't need to look down the barrel. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Paul. When you remove the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer your friend. This is Jay Libby. The gamer generation is you. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.